whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Good morning, friends. This is Karen Pennington, and I admire a good handyman or handywoman. You know, those people that you can, like the little MacGyvers, like that show MacGyver, where you could give them like a stick of gum, a shoelace, and a wad of paper, and he could build a bomb or something like that. Um, you know, those people that just they don't even have to be very learned, but you just, they know, they see how things go together and they know how to use the tools you give them. You know, there are like people that you give them a hammer and nails and a bunch of plywood. And the next thing you know, 47 minutes later, there is a fort for your child that looks better than anything that Toys R Us could have ever made or anything you could buy pre-made at Home Depot. And I'm doing a lot of shout-outs to places that sell stuff today. But I digress. Uh, and, you know, I, I have this friend. His name is Cliff. I'm calling him out, Cliff Harmon. Or he came over one time. He helped me put up this big tent that I that we had people come in, and one of them was going to stay in the tent because it was summertime. It was fun. I was a kid. And um, it was this huge tent. I mean, it was like 20 by 10. It had stuff on the outside, it had this, um, this porch that was screened in and had lights that went up. And I remember getting the instructions out and just trying to read through the instructions. And I'm not lying to you. I can't tell you no lie. By the time I got through, like, step one or step two of the instructions, he had the tent up. <laughs> and I'm looking at him in awe because I'm like, I couldn't have even gotten everything out at this point, And you have it done. And he just, he knew there was something about him where he... he he knew how to use the tools. He had the tools in front of him, and he knew how to use it to build something good and to build something that was built the right way. Um, me, on the other hand, I can maybe use a hammer a little bit. I'll use it in an alternative way sometimes. But if you give me too many tools, particularly large, heavy ones, I will hurt something. <laughs> Probably me. <laughs> I will break something. I uh, I used my husband's campfire materials one time when we were camping. And I used the bacon. And from that, I got charred bacon and almost set our campsite on fire. So <laughs> I just don't put certain tools in my hand and I don't know what to do with them. And, and I'm okay with that. It's okay to have limitations. When I know my limitations, I can receive God's grace and... Thank the Lord, I don't really need to work on my campsite cooking skills because they may not get much better. <laughs> I could hurt people. But as I'm thinking of these different things, these tools, the handyman, handywoman thing, and how some people, you know, having more tools is helpful, having good tools is helpful. But some people, even without a lot of tools, they can just do a lot. They just have this insight about how to use what they have in ways that are healthy and useful. And... As I was doing my devotions this morning, this is what came to mind to me because I'm uh, 
thinking and have been thinking a lot lately and often think about that word wisdom, what wisdom is. And wisdom and knowledge are often used together, but they seem to be used like they're different things. And so today I just want to talk a little bit about wisdom and what that really means. Uh, as usual, as with many of the scriptural, as with many of the scriptural words, wisdom does not always mean what we would like it to mean. Uh, sometimes wisdom means our own stuff, our own understanding. That that's not really what God would say it was. Um, sometimes we think wisdom means we know a lot, and um, so somebody who has a PhD must be more wise than somebody who didn't graduate from high school. Well, let's just be honest. Honest here. Most of us know at least one overeducated nincompoop in our life. We're, I'm just going to say it. Um, most of us know, we're not going to call them out right here because that's not loving, it's not edifying, but most of us know one person that has a master's degree or a PhD, something, maybe somebody who runs something, who's in charge because they've climbed up the ladder because they have all the paperwork and that person could not buy a clue with a million dollars. They just don't have any practical... It's like everything they have, either it's useless or they're using it to hurt people. That's not wisdom. That's barely knowledge. <laughs> you know, that's just facts. That's just facts. Um, and quite frankly, that's fairly, that's fairly useless when you use that. Now, I'm not against education. I have a master's degree myself. Um, I had some really great teachers. Uh, I think it's a great tool if there's a way you can improve yourself. It's not always through traditional learning. Um, some of the smartest people I know have a high school diploma or not even that, and they just educate themselves. They, they learn, they read. Um, they're brilliant. Sometimes the practical, the regular education didn't work for them because they were, too, quite frankly, too smart for it, and it bored them, so they went and got it on their own. And um, Those are all good things, uh, but... I can get pretty obsessed with knowing things. I like to know, I like to know, I like to know. I like to have the facts, I like to figure things out. I don't like to be the one that's not figuring things out. Um, and I also, in the past few years, have really wanted wisdom in that I don't want to misuse the things that God give me. So um, I just want to look into this a little bit. Uh, Proverbs is the big book that we're talking about, about wisdom. And Solomon talks a lot about wisdom. Solomon was somebody who had a lot of, was seen as the wisest, still goes on history as the wisest man ever, which I think is kind of funny because he did ask for wisdom. God did give him wisdom and he made some very good judgments, but he also made some really dumb judgments. So <laughs> no one is ever fully all there wisdom wise, except for Christ himself. And it's funny. He talks about, tries to give wisdom based on his position and his authority and this is what I know and Proverbs but then Ecclesiastes it's kind of like here's where I was a fool that's like the other side the belly side because if you learn wisdom you're usually learning it from mistakes uh, but I thought it was interesting because I've been reading Proverbs and I didn't really notice like the the juxtaposition he kept talking about wisdom and wisdom and wisdom Solomon and the other writers of Proverbs just wrote wisdom 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 then all of a sudden Chapter 5, he talks about adultery. Chapter 6, he talks about adultery. Chapter 7, he talks about adultery. Uh, chapter 9, he talks about wisdom again, then goes back to adultery. And he keeps talking about the adulterous woman. And, and it's like the opposite of wisdom 
He does talk about folly too. The opposite of wisdom is not not knowing something. The opposite of wisdom seems to be adultery. <laughs> um, that's kind of interesting because you don't think I'm wise. I cheated on my spouse. There's <laughs> two different things. But he keeps setting this up and he does set up the word folly. But every like often when he talks about folly, he talks about the adulterous woman. And I'm sure here, ladies, um, I'm very much into the empowerment of women. This is not about saying only women are bad. Um, he was speaking a language to the men who would be the ones who were reading scripture in a language they could understand. I'm sure the same would apply for an adulterous male who would go after a woman. We have, you know, equal opportunity sin here. But, um, you know, just from the language of the day and the people who have been reading it, he says wisdom. He also says wisdom in a feminine way, and adultery in a feminine way. So what you're going after, it really depends on what you have a taste for. And I don't know if any of you have ever thought of folly as, as an adultery. Um, being a fool means being adulterous. But let's think about it. What is adultery? Adultery is going after something other than your first commitment. Adultery is going after something or someone other than your first love. And very rarely... Very rarely, even if we're going to think in a worldly sense, when you cheat on your spouse with another person and then leave your spouse for another person, very rarely does that other person end up working out to be any better. Uh, I've heard Tyler Perry one time said the 80-20 rule, or no, the 90-10 rule, or something like that, where you, your spouse gives you all but maybe 5 or 10% of what you think you need. So you seek that in the other person, and then you lose the 90-95%. Now, I know there's this isn't a steadfast rule. There's been all kinds of cases, and somebody, I don't want you to be offended out there and say, you know, I have a second wife. We love her. I, love, I, have a, I know that. that this is not talking about that. I'm not talking about complicated relationships what I'm saying is you have somebody that's your first love you have something that's your first love and let's just talk about what it really is you have God who is your first love and sometimes you don't get what you think you want from God or you want to keep God but you have this little side piece you know I have this this little side hustle there's a couple of drugs I have a little pornography over here I have this shopping thing or I'm just going to keep shopping and I I have this ice cream thing, you know, it's, it's not that ice cream's bad, but, or food's bad, but I'm going to fill my inner need for indulgence with food rather than seeking God. I'm going to fill my inner need for meaning by going after this thing that makes me feel powerful rather than allowing my identity and my worth to come in Christ. Uh, and that's the very definition of folly. It's very, also the very definition of addiction. And once again, I'm speaking this to myself. I'm, I'm not addicted to drugs or anything, but I do often have a tendency to go after the things that I'm doing for God or the things that make me feel godly. And if that is, if I'm doing that, saying with the attitude that God is my own one and only and where I'm seeking God daily and I'm surrendering and saying, God, I'm enjoying this gift of yours. Help me to put it in a proper perspective. That's fine. But as soon as I leave God in the dust and say, sorry, God, see you tomorrow. i got to go do this thing for you. Um, then that becomes folly. Um, so I get it. In Proverbs, this whole thing where adultery keeps coming back up, it's thinking, seeking something other than God above God, that intimacy that you're supposed to give to God alone, giving to something else. Um, it breaks God's heart and it hurts 
it hurts us. Um, I, I have a friend, I'm sure we all have had one, who's recently left her husband and her children for another man. And she's cutting out people in her life. And it just makes her feel good. You know, she's wearing more makeup and, and I'm, and she just won't hear people. She won't listen. You can't talk to her about it. And I've known people like this before and it just absolutely breaks my heart because you know how this is going to end. This is going to end in her. You know, her husband's a good man. Her children love her. And she feels like this is what she needs right now. This, I mean, folly. She feels like, oh, I feel alive. I don't have all the responsibility. He tells me I'm beautiful. She feels this way. And she gets very offended if anybody tells her anything different. But in the end, it it's going to hurt her. It already is. And other people. And, and that's what happens. That's an ultimate supreme example. But that's what happens. We go after things just because they make us feel good right now. When I eat way more junk food than I need to eat because I'm cultivating the right, wrong appetite. And I felt good for like a second, but honestly, it doesn't even last very long because 15 minutes later when I've just eaten three times the, whatever, the chocolate that I need, I already have a stomach ache and then I have a sugar crash and that's so dumb. Why do we do the dumb things that give us pleasure for five seconds? Why do we keep doing that instead of just waiting a second, you know? So there's one source for the right kind of knowledge, there's one source for wisdom, and that's in the person of Jesus Christ in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And Colossians 2.3 says, In God, in Christ, is hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So knowledge really is a little bit different than wisdom. Um, it also says in Proverbs 10, a few other places in Proverbs, that um, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding so knowledge really has to do with awareness it can be facts um, it can be a relationship like I'm aware of who this person is I know my husband um, actually the word know can have a intimate connotation in terms of a way a man is intimate with a woman uh, it, it says in the gospels that Mary did not know Joseph Joseph did not know Mary until Christ was born that that would have been a colloquialism for, you know, the consummation of marriage. Um, but it's really an awareness and an awareness of things. And our knowledge can be wrong. We can have an awareness of something and have a false awareness. We can have all the facts and our facts can be right, but it can still lead us to the wrong awareness. We can know this and this and this and this and not have the whole picture and have a false awareness. Satan's really good at this because... Satan can tell you, um, you ate too much again, you yelled at your husband, this, this, and, and put all the bad stuff in front of you and say, you're worthless, nobody wants you. You know, it leads to the wrong conclusion. But, of course, there's other awareness you need to know. There's the, these tools. and Or you can have a lot of great things. This happened, this happened, this happened to me. And then you decide, look at how great I am. Instead of look at how great God is and look at how blessed I am. And so... You can have all the tools, basically. Some people can have a hammer and nails and a couple sheets of plywood and have the wisdom, the insight, the understanding, 
the proper judgment to be able to use them in a way that builds something amazing. Some people can have all the tools in the shed and have the folly to squander them away or to destroy something. You know, tools are important. Knowing things are important. Maybe if you want to build a house, you want more than a hammer, nails, and a couple pieces of plywood. Maybe you need a few extra things to make it easier or to make the house more fortified. That's knowledge. It's important to seek that. It's important to seek uh, knowing God, um, knowing the things about God, knowing scripture, knowing the lives and stories that bring wholeness and healing. And the thing is, the more you live in that and the more that you're seeking that and seeking God daily, that understanding does come and will come if you're seeking it with the right heart. But that wisdom is so important too because it means I'm seeking after you, God. I want to use this right. I'm not just going to ask you for everything in the world. I'm going to ask you to show me what's true. I'm going to ask you to show me what uses it. If Satan's attacking me with all these facts that are making me feel like I'm worthless, God, I need to show. I need you to show me. And James 1 says that if we ask for wisdom, this is what I got, God. How do I use it? What do I do with this? What do I do with this pile of nails? Yeah. What do I do with all of these? Um, then God will help you. It's like the difference between me having this pile of stuff for this huge tent and just being overwhelmed like, what do I do with this? And Cliff, who never even had to read the instructions, uh, and he could just do it. He, he, he saw the pieces and he had this way of knowing how they fit together in a holistic and a good way. That's my prayer today for me. That's my prayer today for us. Not that we would stop seeking knowledge. That Not that we would stop trying to find the things and the tools. And It's good. Getting the education. Go to seminary if you need to. Go to college if you need to. I'm very for that. Worth the investment. But just that idea of going after, I want to know things about you, God. I want to know things about your will and your way. I want to have the information I need. But Lord, I'm seeking you to help me apply it because... I know it may seem that God gives me or you or anyone just few resources, not enough money, not enough communication, maybe not enough friends or power or influence, but let's remember, in the person of Jesus Christ, there was a very poor carpenter who was a nomad who walked around with a bunch of teenagers, and yes, probably only one of them was over 20, that's Peter, people who weren't even old enough to pay the taxes yet, a zealot who was a rebel, a bunch of stinky fishermen who didn't even own their own boats, a tax collector who was hated by the people of Israel, that's who he traveled around with, he, according to worldly standards, and he came from Nazareth, and everyone knew that. That's like coming from the ghetto of a tiny little town that nobody cares about. Where The only thing you know about is, oh, I've heard about that. That's who he was, that's who he walked around with. Didn't seem like a whole lot of tools in the shed, right? But with that and the infelt dwelling of the Holy Spirit and the call of God, the world was changed. So if God can do that, if God, as a dirty, unloved, woolen-haired, they said not very pretty, that's biblical, carpenter in the person of Jesus Christ, can take a bunch of misfits and change the world, can take a hot-headed fisherman and make him Peter the rock of the kingdom, what can he do with you? I'm certain you have the tools and God wants to give you more of the tools. I'm certain you have the tools and God wants to give me more of the tools. But Lord, Lord Jesus, we need your wisdom. 
We need your wisdom to see what you've already given us and to celebrate it. We need your wisdom to understand how to use the knowledge and the resources you've given us. We need your wisdom to understand more about you and to understand right God. Sometimes we think we know. Sometimes we think we know a person, just like I thought I knew my neighbor because I was really, really out of line and not finding out what was right. And sometimes we pursue paths that are wrong because someone told us they're right. Sometimes we see a bunch of facts and figures and we do not add them properly. Lord, give us that holy wisdom. God, you were a carpenter in the person of Jesus Christ and that's significant because you knew how things went together. Give us that holy wisdom of carpentry where we see things and maybe we don't understand everything but we understand it as much as you need us how things are supposed to fit together in our lives how we're supposed to work that hammer and nails to build someone up rather than tearing them down and God I know you're still building in me and I thank you for that and I thank you for your role in our life and God as usual I'm not always sure what's coming out of my mouth when I talk but I'm speaking this in faith in you knowing that there's someone out there that's seeking you and maybe going down the wrong path. Lord, turn that person around right this moment and help them to seek you in the right ways. Help them to just, rather than the fringes, seeking right, seeking self-righteousness or seeking approval or seeking being a good citizen, may they just seek your heart and know that when they seek your kingdom first, as it says in Matthew 6.33, everything else will come. We trust you to do what you say you'll do, God, because you're a God who meets your promises, and we love you. We want to seek you first, Lord. Help us to live in wisdom and honor of you and others in your name. Amen. Be blessed, my friends.